Buckle up, it's the Insurance Dudes Podcast. Boom! <laughs> Boom! Hey, he did it! You got to stand there like a deer in the headlights and then do the boom. Right. Yeah, Most exactly. We'll ask, they'll say, what, was I supposed to do the boom? Like, no, you do what you want. But you did the boom. So, I love the boom. Greg, Greg Offner. What's up, Welcome. guys? Welcome How you to doing? the insurance suits. I'm awesome. This is super fun to be here. I'm like, I'm super sweaty because I literally just put a uh, living room table together. Um, my wife will tell you that she helped, but she's six weeks from delivering our first child. So didn't really help. Moral support was what she was there so for. So she but, helps. Yeah. Emotionally. <laughs> she's doing other more important things right now. <laughs> but yeah. I'm super psyched to be with you guys. This is so awesome. Oh, yeah. This is great. I'm stoked. So, so let's, uh, ooh, before we jump into it, we got to ask you the first question. Craig, you almost let me forget. I'm sorry. I, Craig, I didn't mean down. Craig and Greg. I love it. <laughs> Both of you guys, no matter whose name I say, the other one kind of perks yes. up. Yes. <laughs> what was, Greg, what was the first concert you ever went to? And I'm talking way back. It could be Barney. Yeah. I'm hoping it was something that good. I, uh, my first concert was Kiss. And it was quite the experience. I didn't really know. I didn't know what was going on around me, but it was really visually a lot. (laughs) A little overwhelming. And and I remember watching the pyrotechnics on stage and these guys came out looking like alien spacemen with 10 foot tongues. And I was just like, okay, (laughs) what do I do here? Uh, But it was, I was 15. Fifteen. Nice. Yeah. So I, I no don't know. If, no, no mullet. You should have had a mullet. No mullet. So um, I don't know if I ever told my kiss story, Mr. Jason, Uh-oh. but I'm going no. to tell. So so I've always had a, a problem with kiss in, in that overwhelm. Um, when I was, I don't know, five or six, I had uh, my grandparents lived in Norway. So my uh, my uncle was, I don't know, he was 16 or something. So he was a huge, huge kiss fan. And when I went there, I'm little, I'm this little kid, and I have to sleep in his room, and the entire thing was covered in these kiss posters, and I just, I couldn't handle it, it was freaking me out. So, that was my, he he was 16, 17, and I was, you know, I'm this little kid, and I, and it was like, what the hell, like, nothing was explained, I didn't know what was going on, but it was just covered in, in, you know, Gene Simmons and the tongue out, and I, like, had the hardest time going to sleep, they were freaking me out. And so I never was a really big Kiss fan because of the, that uh, childhood memory. So there you have it. <laughs> that reminds me of like that scene in every sitcom where like the young kid has to go somewhere for Thanksgiving and sleep in the stranger's room. And he's like, don't touch anything or I'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was pretty. Uncle Van was cool. He was, he was cool about that. But the, but the walls were scary. Yeah. And I guess that would have been different. It would have been like, don't touch anything or I'll kill you. Right. I mean, like yeah. that. Yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Greg, your, uh, your keynote speaker, motivational speaker, it, it says here disruption and creativity, subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. What is yeah. that? I love talk, it. Talk to me about that. I love it. That's, that's the question I get at every family party now. <laughs> In, invariably some relative will go, so like, do you just make videos all day? Like, what do you do? I don't understand it. You got like 15 videos in one day. Like you got a job. Like, what do you do? <laughs> um, 
It's a really weird job, but it's also the coolest, I think, job that anybody could have. I, a lot of your listeners probably go to conferences on a regular basis. And I lived that life for many years as a sales rep, a sales manager, a marketing manager. And depending on what I was selling, in some cases, like I really had a hard time getting people to want to talk to me because they found out I was a vendor and they ran. Right. Now I'm the person they see on stage. I'm the person sometimes they're coming to see. And it's a totally different conference experience. It's, it's the best job I've ever had. And the way I fell into it was by probably the worst experience that I've ever had to undergo. I was at the top of my career working for a mid-market insurance broker, doing a lot of commercial P&C uh, sales. Um, you know, so doing really well there, kind of cranking on all cylinders. And at night, I was working as a dueling piano bar entertainer. So I would oh, play wow. the piano. I'd travel all over the world. I mean, at this point, I've played on five continents, like almost 20 countries, a bunch of states and whatnot. And, and that was sort of like my two lives. During the day, that was my sort of buttoned up suit and tie life. And at night, it was like, all bets are off. And I was moving so fast vocally, meaning I'd be up at, you know, six, seven, going to events, work until six, seven at night at different events, sporting events, whatever. And then I'd go to the piano bar and I'd work. Um, I wasn't giving my voice a rest. And so you, you can mm. imagine in any sport, you know, if you're a power lifter and you don't take any days off, you're ripe for an injury. Uh, I literally broke my voice just to keep it really, really simple and not go into the weeds of all the, the medical stuff. And doctors said, if you don't stop and if you don't get surgery, you're going to lose your voice forever. Wow. And that was a real shock to my system. And it made me look at my life and the things that I said I wanted to do and the things that I said I valued and were important to me and, and really analyze whether I was living them or not, whether I was making the biggest impact for the world that I felt I could. And, and ultimately, it took someone else. It took a coach who wasn't really my coach. It was someone that I met. But you can coach anybody if you have the right impact. It took someone that I met who after sort of telling each other our stories, she looked at me and said, you don't see it, do you? And I said, what, what don't I see? She said, you've been describing these different parts of your life and these different interests that you have sort of as disparate, as disconnected as like, this is work, Greg, and this is sport, Greg, and this is travel, Greg, and this is fun, Greg. I see how those all connect in the middle in a hub. And when she told me that, it was like mind friggin' blown. Like, how did I not see that on my own? And it's because I was too wrapped up in the day to day. And so I made the decision then and there that I was going to do as much research as I could to figure out if this was a viable career, how I would do it. So I met with almost 100 professional speakers and coaches, asked them what they did right, asked them what they did wrong when they were getting started, and made the decision the decision was made for me, but I decided <laughs> instead of looking for another job, I decided in June of 2019 to become a professional speaker, coach, and, and used my experience throughout my entire life uh, to talk about disruption and how we can make it and manage it. I love it. I love it. So, so talk more about what do you mean by disruption? Well, I love it because it connects so much with what you're trying to help your listeners do, right? You help them work on their business, not in their business. So there's that dichotomy mm -hmm. of, of how you can look at, at your job or how you can look at your agency, right? But there's also that dichotomy of how you look at change. So I define disruption. Let's just stop. Disruption is a category of change. I think there's people out there that throw the word around and have no idea what it means. 
and they think it's reserved for like these Silicon Valley kids in like hoodies and like chucks, <laughs> like, you know, like unicorns and VC and all these technical <laughs> terms that, you know, like, no, it's really simple. It's a type of change, right? It's the most valuable type of change, which is why you hear it talked about a lot, which is why people want to say they're disruptors or disrupting or whatever. Disruption is a change that sustains and sets a new standard. That's, I'll say it again because it's like so yeah. important. Disruption is a change that sustains and sets a new standard. Change that sustains and sets a new standard. I like that. So you're leveling up. Exactly. From this change. Exactly. Well, but I no. like that it sustains. I like sustains. that part. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, how many times do we do something and it's like it doesn't sustain? Right. I mean, we're always trying, there's always a new diet or a new this or the new shiny object. I mean, in, especially in insurance, there's always a new shiny object, <laughs> shiny object syndrome. Yeah. It's like the fidget spinner. You know what I mean? That wasn't a disruption. <laughs> yeah. That was like the lowest form of change. That was an interruption. That's like a television commercial, right? Like, mm. It's right in the middle of what you wanted to be doing and what you'd like to get back to doing <laughs> <laughs> the procrastination. The procrastinator, that's what they should call it. Yeah. Well, that's, it's so funny. Like that's what I'm, as I'm, so I'm, I'm writing my first book and the, the initial title, what you've gone, if you go on my website, um, at gregoryoffner.com or at goalofmygoal.com, if you go on the website, you'll see this mock-up of the book and it was going to be living on tips. And so it was sort of like this play on words because everything you do, if you don't run your own business, you're living on tips. Like even as a sales rep for another company, what do you get? How do you get paid? You get a percentage of a sale. Well, if you're a waiter at a restaurant, you get a percentage of the bill. It's just a bigger, more professional looking tip. When you say you get a commission or a bonus, you, it's a tip. So that was going to be the title. But what I realized is that the opposite of disruption is you just, you nailed it, man. It's procrastination. It's not status quo. Status quo is impossible. Heraclitus, yep. the ancient Greek philosopher said, no man walks through the same river twice. You're always changing and the river's always moving. Like the status mm. quo is mm. doesn't exist, man. It's you're either procrastinating or you're creating disruption. So this must have been an enormous disruption to your life to go from this suit and tie and the piano, right? Two kind of polar opposites in and of itself to this full on committed to this, right? Because you're, you're at this point, you're also not playing the piano. No, I, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. No, but at the point when you changed, did you kind of just fold everything or you had to? Yeah, I had to. So I had to stop okay. completely. Yeah. I had to, you know, have a surgery on my voice, which was a period of total silence for 14 days while that healed. And then six months of vocal rehab. Um, wow. and I've done that 13 more times. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it's been, it's been well, just a massive disruption. So the jump, the jump had to be terrifying. How did you get through that? Like, how did you just go? <laughs> I had some help. Um, I was fired. Okay. That so was, had the, to go. <laughs> that's right. That's why I said, so, and that's, you know, when, when people say like, I want to make a change, you know, there's two ways that people make change. <laughs> They're either damn near expiration or they, they, they've received some inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> you received some inspiration. Right. Well, and I was damn near expiration financially too. Cause yeah, there you go. You know, so it was like, all right, this is either going to work or it isn't. And, um, and so, you know, I talked with my wife, I talked with my, um, people that I trust. And I said, this seems like the perfect time to do it. And I was, I was reading a book that really set me in that mind frame. 
Um, and it was written by a man who was a psychologist. I'm very interested in psychology, behavioral economics. Um, and there's a lot of that in the work, layered into the work that I do. But so his deal was he, he was working for a practice at a part of a larger university. And he had to write these reports, right? In the military, they'd call them after action reports, but basically like summarizing what happens with each client. And there, it added zero value to his relationship with the client. It had a zero value to his ability to treat the client better. It added zero value. And so he went to his boss and he said, look, this takes up a, a tremendous amount of my time. It takes up a tremendous amount of my mental energy because I don't like doing it. And it doesn't add value. I don't see the purpose. I don't see why. And I'd like to see if we can find a better way. I'd like to see if we could stop doing this. And his boss flat out said no. And so he went home and he thought about this. He processed the emotion. And ultimately what he started to try to parse out was why did he need the job? What did he really get from it? And what he arrived at, the, the conclusion he arrived at was that the, the main thing he got that he didn't really know how to do on his own was a paycheck. And he thought, you know, smart guy, he looks around, he goes, well, surely there are millions of businesses in the world that exist. I, there surely must be a way for me to replicate the financial side of this. There's money out there. So if that's the only thing that's stopping me, there's nothing stopping me. Mm. And that for me was this huge aha moment of the only thing that was stopping me really was the paycheck. Mm -hmm. And I knew that, you know, almost 20 years of B2B sales experience, like if anybody, the biggest challenge as you know, entrepreneurs run into is not being willing or able to do the sales side of the business. That's it. Yep. So I thought, look, I don't know the other stuff, but I know that if I can get the money coming in, I can either hire or pay people to do the other stuff. So that's kind of just how it happened. And then COVID. Let's talk about another <laughs> disruption. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit of a disruption. But, and that's, so, that's why I've got yeah. this cool background here is because of COVID. I never, I didn't have all this fancy equipment, you know, pre-COVID. So I've right. leveled up. Well, a lot of people that, that do what you do have had to really pivot. I mean, mm -hmm. from, you know, the, 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 the Tony Robbins of the world, I, I know that he held out and, and wanted to keep doing business mastery. And there's all these other, you know, all of the people wanted to, they're filling up, filling up stadiums and they had to pivot and do this. So it, I would guess you probably pivoted quicker, which is huge. And, and how have you used that to elevate your audience and, and who you're, who you're targeting? Yeah, it taught, well, it taught me a couple of things. So I only wanted to be a speaker. I was, there were people around me that said, look, you should have a coaching business. You should have courses on Kajabi. You should do this and that. And I said, look, I, I want to do this because I think I can make an impact. And because there's a certain lifestyle I want to lead. Um, mm -hmm. When I left college, I had no intention of being in sales. I was a personal trainer at a gym in Westchester, uh, Pennsylvania, where I went to college. And I, I was sort of figuring out what I was going to do um, to get my music out there, to become a performer. That's what I was passionate about. And I, I lost my job at the gym going to an audition up in New York. I just did a no call, no show. And they were like, look, pal, this ain't working out. Thankfully, someone threw me a lifeline, got me in with a, a company called Cintas. And that's where I started my sales career. Awesome training, awesome opportunity to learn, you know, get into management. And then at some point, the money just became too good to do anything else. So I just went and went and went and built and built and built. And, and so when they said, you have to do coaching, you should do this. I said, look, man, I'm getting offers to go speak in New Zealand to go speak in Paris. Like all I want to do is get enough money to make 80% of what I was making at a W2 job. Now that I'm making it for myself, I'm gonna take the rest of the year off. 
I just, I, cause I don't know what I want to do, but I know I'm passionate about this. COVID taught me that was the dumbest decision I ever made. I should have listened <laughs> to those people. So now I'm putting other legs of the stool underneath it. I've got courses on Kajabi. Um, I'm, I'm doing much more in the coaching sector now, although that's still sort of a really slow, um, slow build. Uh, and then speaking is all going virtual. So I've, I've had to provide instead of keynotes in some cases, it's like 15, 20 minute Ted talks. Uh, I'm doing some work for a bank right now that they said, look, we're not doing our big three day annual conference. We're going to do seven learning sessions over the course of four months. And they'd already paid me, you know, my fee. And they said, well, how do you think we work this? And I thought, I was like, shit, I, I don't know. I got to think about this. So, so I, had, I had to scramble to come up with something. And we came up with with uh, eight micro courses, these 10, 10 minute courses. They're raving about it. So now that we, you know, we've got that. I mean, the big thing that this has created as relates to my area of expertise is that a lot of people have looked in the mirror like I did when I had that surgery. And they said, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I've had enough time to stop and I don't like this but I don't know what to do. Mm. What, um, what do you feel that your superpower, I mean, you took a hard look on the inside during this whole thing. What do you feel that your superpower is? So it's, it's really the creativity side of it. You know, disruption, disruptions is skill set, but you've got to be able to get outside of yourself sometimes to come up like that woman did for me, like that coach did for me where I was so in in the stuff that I couldn't see all of these things. I had these blinders on and what she helped me do, you know, in moments was just transform the whole way I saw the world and everything changed. And so that's what I help my clients do. I help them find the one change that can change everything. What would be a great tip? Cause I, I think that uh, most of our audience, all insurance dudes and dudettes out there, um, do we, we find ourselves in the weeds daily. I mean, there's sometimes that you can go into work, you, you don't even know what happened the next day. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, did I get anything done? You know, you're constantly in the weeds. What are some good tactics to be able to 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 put your head up and and see from the aerial view of your life? Yeah, well, they're 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 not really going to be earth shattering. I mean, that's the thing, right? <laughs> they're they're simple. They're not necessarily easy, but they're really simple. Uh, taking time every morning to pause before we get going, whether whether that's meditating whether that's just writing down a couple of thoughts. I, I hate the word journaling. It sounds so crunchy granola, like mystery novel writer sitting in an attic somewhere <laughs> right. in Vermont. Like I hate that term, but there's value to waking up and just before you hit the, um, um, uh, the smartphone, just grabbing a piece of paper and going like, how do I feel? How does my body, you know what? I woke up today. I felt like I was ready to kick some butt. I, I didn't get to bed as early as I wanted, but you know, I slept pretty good. I'm positive about today. And here's something I'm excited about. That's simple. It doesn't have to be, you know, a quill pen and a leather bound book that's placed <laughs> in a magical shelf somewhere in your house. Like it can be a piece of printer paper, but taking that pause and doing it throughout the day, um, before you step into a meeting, just taking three deep breaths is really, really powerful. Yeah. It's just almost like being more cognizant, right? Just mm-hmm. more aware of of what you're doing. Why is it that we get so in those I mean, I get in it daily. Like it's hard for me to not just wake up and start handling stuff. Boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. Next thing I know, 
it's like you look back at your day and you're like, hmm, like, what do I really, what are my overall big goals? And did I do anything to move the needle on that? Mm. It's so easy to not move the needle. So easy to just handle stuff. Well, there's, there's, man, there's so much in what you just said that's awesome. So I think first and foremost, we are, we live in a world that wants a reaction from us. Yes. Whether it's social media, whether it's the phone ringing, a billboard that you're passing by, there's money to be made in getting you to react without thinking, pulling out your wallet mm -hmm. and buying that thing now, right? Going on Amazon and hitting the buy button, whatever it is. And I love Amazon, by the way. They're, you know, they're great. They're <laughs> yeah. real weird like Donald Trump. I love Amazon. They're good people. Um, <laughs> just the hand movements. I don't know what that was. So, so the whole world wants a reaction out of us, but the real value you know, if you think about the folks who are incredibly successful in their field, they're deliberate in their response. That's the beauty mm -hmm. of, of, of Abraham Lincoln in terms of if you read any lessons about his leadership style was he would get pissed, man. He would get friggin' fired up about people and he would write a letter that was, you know, probably <laughs> in his time, whatever expletives were considered, it was filled with them. And he just put it in a jar, put it in it, put it in a drawer and just walk away. And he would often come back to those letters a day or two later and go, wow, so glad I didn't send that. But what do we wow, do? I didn't know that. We hop on email. Somebody sends us, you know, customer sends us something. We, we hop on email. We fire that back real quick. We react. And that causes so much trouble for us as humans. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good with practice. Our wives. To yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it's a good practice to write it out and throw it into the draft and come back tomorrow. I mean, uh, it. Yeah. I, so I, I did that this morning. I can share this because it's, you know, I am by far perfect at this. Like it, it, <laughs> every day is a friggin' work in progress. So I went out <laughs> the, for the first time in my life, we have a lawn. So we live in Philadelphia in the city, but we have a, a sizable backyard and uh, it's been getting just demolished by like our dogs go out there and pee and then the sun hits it and like there's brown spots. So I'm like, really? Like I'm doing like the whole, like about to be a dad thing where I'm like looking up true green in Scotts. I'm like, how do I get my lawn greener? Yeah. So, so, so I set the sprinkler off this morning to go and like water, water the, the, the lawn. And I just totally forgot about it. And I went out and ran some errands. I come back like three hours later, the, the lawn is like drowning. Everything's soaked. <laughs> and and I knew in my head, I was like, Greg, this is your fault. And I still came up and I was like, you know, Kim, you couldn't go down and like check. Like, did you let the dogs out? And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I had to take a pause and go, dude. Like, so it's, it's so easy to react. And it is. as you said, Craig, like just pop it in the drafts folder, come back to it later. Um, and then the other thing that, um, that was mentioned, Jason, about, uh, uh, you know, waking up and what do you want to do? Something to be continued. It's the insurance dudes. Don't turn it off, man. That'd really be rude. We're dropping knowledge on the radio, so just turn it up. So we put together a little webinar from all the things that we've learned. Right? Yeah, totally. I love it. It was a lot of fun um, doing it, putting it together. And there's some really good stuff in there. Yes. What did we learn? So what did we, we learned how to sell hundreds of thousands of premium a month using any internet leads. And this is based on a whole bunch of big dudes selling ton and ton yeah. ton of premium a month, like yeah. over a million. Yeah. And it, it, it eliminates that turnover. 
right? The staff doesn't get burned out. It does. It creates predictable sales. Like, whoa, yeah. right? Well, and we also learned how we can copy the processes of the big, giant, fastest-growing PNC carriers and the big local agents. Yep. That was a lot of so, fun. It was fun. We put it together. We it's on a website. Go to love dot teledudes dot com. <gasps> That's that L O V E dot T E L E D U D E S dot com. How do you spell like that on the fly, Mr. Jason? Well, it took me some practice, but it's love dot <laughs> you are good at that. Is so that let it? me get this straight. It's love, L-O-V-E dot teledudes.com. Love dot teledudes.com. I love that. I, I love it too. I surprised you too, Mr. Craig. You, you didn't know. tricked me. <laughs> Wait, do they even listen to this on the radio anymore? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Nice. Uh, all right.